piece of music we're listening to in the background is called The Match and the Fire. It's the final climactic cue I wrote for episode 19 of the program audio series. The episode is called Abandonware. Today we'll break it down and get into why and how it was made. You're listening to How I Make Music, where audio drama composers get to tell their own stories. In this show, we break apart the music of a fictional podcast and take a trip into how it was made. Am I speaking too fast? Tell me to do that slower. My name's Chris Ledois. I'm a composer and sound designer from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and this is How I Make Music. Welcome back to How I Make Music. Thanks for listening in. Members of the Council, dear Chancellor, dear Chairwoman, I'm deeply honored to talk at the 450th Annual Conference of Transcendental Science. The program audio series is a fictional podcast set in a future in which money, state, and God become fused into a single entity called the program. But the indications are too strong to be ignored. Guest speaker Mira, we've heard you... This episode does contain some spoilers, so you might want to listen to the program audio series first. If I might inquire, what kind of indications are you referring to? Colors. Mira got rejected from the scientific circles. He continued to work on his theories alone. As his old mother used to say, you can be yourself only when you're alone, and solitude is sometimes the best company. This is all just in entire serendipity, that this all sort of happened in the span of like a year or so. Years ago, um, CBC, our national radio broadcaster, used to have a program called Monday Night Playhouse, which was for all intents and purposes, audio dramas, but really more in the style of the old radio dramas from, you know, the, the 1920s and 30s and 40s and whatnot. The Whisperer, a brilliant man who, losing his voice in an accident which crushed his vocal cords, worked his way deep within the crime syndicate to help destroy it from within. Hello, New York! And my wife had started getting into them, and, and she said, here, try this out. Um, so I put a, a few on my phone when I was uh, commuting for a year. I got hooked really, really, really quickly. Hello, this is IMS, the author of the program audio series. And then this came around. I was like, this sort of reminds me of that. And I really, really enjoyed it. Something we cannot comprehend and we thus approximate in terms that, that fit our current level of understanding. <laughs> You're never satisfied. Why can't you simply be happy that we have spirits in the first place? But came on board as a fan which is, you know, sort of a really nice way to come into it, right? Uh, got in touch with IMS and said, you know, hey, 
are you looking for any original music for the show? And he said, as a matter of fact, yes, I would love it. And then it turned out um, he lives in Toronto. I'm in Hamilton, which is about 65 kilometers west of Toronto. He and I have got a really, really good working relationship. Despite the fact that he's not musically trained, he's got a very good ear for music and often knows, in some cases better than I do, what's going to work and what's not going to work. I grew up playing in punk bands, rock bands. Take a listen to this track. It's called Blackout Love by the Castro Troys, a band I played in from 2013 to 2019. I played in a jazz trio at one point. I played in string quartets. I played in orchestras. Uh, I've done musical theater in the orchestra pit. I've done electronic music, whether that's like abstract, um, like music concrete types music or um, EDM type music. Heck, the band I'm in now is a country southern rock folk band, right? So I've covered pretty much everything except disco. been a number of comparisons between the program and Black Mirror. One of the things that I love about the program that's very unique is despite being set in the future, it's neither dystopian nor utopian. Black Mirror is very usually very dystopian. The show doesn't want to tell you this is better or worse. It wants you to consider it and decide for yourself. Is this better or worse? Would I prefer this or would I prefer how it is right now? My influence has really come, I would say Stravinsky's a big one. The Rite of Spring was one of those pieces that was a watershed moment for me. Mostly Stravinsky's earlier ballets, not so much of his later neoclassical music. For this episode of the program, we were very fortunate to be able to record a 40-member choir. So for anyone unfamiliar with the typical choir structure, you've usually got four sections, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, going from high pitch to low pitch. Let's have a listen to the soprano part first. Let's have a listen to the alto part of the same section now. And here's the tenor part. And finally, the bass part of that same section. And here's what it sounds like when they all come together.
So what we have here are two separate lines of synth arpeggios. And they really provide um, a rhythmic and textural contrast to what's going on in the organ and in the choir. Which is obviously, as you can hear, much longer held notes in the organ and the choir. The synth provides some surface rhythm, some motion, propels the piece a little bit forward, and helps break things up a little bit. So the choir was recorded all remotely in the middle of the pandemic with singing. That was one of the, the last ensembles to actually be allowed to perform again and rehearse again. The choir is a local Hamilton choir called the Bach Elgar Choir. They've been around for a century now. They've, been, they've got a very long history in the city. Um, so it was actually a real honor to work with them, which was really, really great to be a part of that, uh, that tradition. This is the first time I've ever worked on an audio drama. Each person was given, obviously, sheet music, but also uh, a click track to listen to with a synthesized version of their part. And they would set up their cell phone or whatever it was on a music stand to record them. They all got submitted to a Dropbox, and then I spent hundreds of hours going through editing. <laughs> obviously, had to add the reverb because everybody was recording in their living room, their bedroom, some in some cases their kitchen. Uh, the basement. I had one from a garage. The writing of the music was a walk in the park compared to actually producing the final scores. If you had told me pre-pandemic that you could do this, I would have not believed you. Having seen a number of orchestras online do it or choirs or whatever, and then I said, okay, I'm going to try it myself. In the end, I think it was worth it because it sounds great. If it weren't for the pandemic and the fact that this was all they could do, um, I'm not sure if it would have been so successful. I'm not sure if any ensemble would have been interested in doing it because, you know, the podcast just doesn't have the reach that a TV show would or a film or anything like that. You of all people should know that secrets don't hide in the darkness, but out there in the light. How can I sum up this episode? This episode of the program called Abandonware is about a boy named Mira, who grows up to be a scientist and discovers ways of controlling the universe uh, beyond what anybody would ever imagine possible. I'm the spirit of research and development, R&D. I created multiple themes to reflect both characters and situations. The first thing we hear is what uh, we call the Eureka theme. Almost awe-inspiring, I would say, uh, in a few places. The second theme that comes back uh, towards the end of this cue is the mother theme. At the top of the episode, we hear it in a very, very soft piano, a very gentle, very soothing, very loving, like you would expect a mother theme to be. Many years from now, there lived an old lady. She lived alone, her husband taken by cancer long ago. Spoiler alert, when Mira brings his mother back from the dead, uh, it takes on that revelatory, celebratory, awe-inspiring tone of the Eureka theme as well, because the Eureka theme has produced the reincarnation of his mother. Lamentations would become too intense for her to bear. She would pray, and she would direct her prayers to the spirits. 
the Eureka moment has led to the reincarnation of his mother. My colleagues couldn't accept the idea that spirits don't exist. That's about it for this episode. We'll listen to the full piece in just a moment. But before we do that, thank you for listening to How I Make Music. Catch new episodes on howimakemusic.com or wherever else. We've been listening to music featured in the audio drama called The Program Audio Series. To hear the full story or to check out my other work, follow the links in the show notes. How I Make Music is created by John Bartman. And now, here's the match in the fire, the climax of episode 19 of the Program Audio Series in its entirety. My name's Chris Ledois, and thanks for listening to How I Make Music. Catch you next time.
strings that play under the melody. Post-rock historical audio drama. 